there was a session, um, a panel on youth, and there were only seven youth delegates in the room, which is not enough when the whole topic is youth, right? You have more than 95% adults talking about youth. I just think the, the willingness of member states to actually bring us into the decision-making progress and into the discussion needs to improve. So welcome to this episode of The Next Page, the podcast of the Library and Archives dedicated to advancing the conversation on multilateralism. We recently invited the Swiss youth reps to the Library and Archives for an event on youth and multilateralism, and we decided to invite one of them back to delve a little further into ideas on how the voice of younger generations, their needs and their vision can be heard in the multilateral system. So I'm delighted to have here with me today Flora Kipa, who is Swiss UN Youth Representative for 2023-2025. We are very curious to hear more of your vision about multilateralism. So Flora is a postgraduate student at the University of Basle at the Department of Biomedicine, and she is doing research with the Tissue Engineering Group. She was also previously at Harvard Medical School researching cartilage regeneration, and she holds triple citizenship of Switzerland, Romania, and Australia. And she also competed at national level in figure skating. So with all of that, Flora, would you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Why you were so interested in becoming a youth rep? What is it that meaningful in that for you? Yeah, so thank you very much, first of all, for, you know, having me and giving the Swiss UN youth reps a voice here on the, the Next Page podcast. We're really excited about this opportunity to, you know, share our views about what the value of youth can be in multilateralism. And so, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm a medical student. I do some biomedical research and um, it's quite an uncommon path to actually end up as a Swiss UN youth representative. But actually, I was introduced to this international environment very early on. Um, I grew up in a multicultural family. There was always like an international environment also in sports. And we always spoke a lot of languages, for example, just at the dinner table. Sometimes there used to be up to three or four languages at the same time. And so this, you know, cross-cultural um, communication and cross-barriers was always instilled in me from a very early age. And so once I actually started studying medicine, I, I tried to, you know, still keep my eyes open and broaden my horizons through other things outside of my discipline. So I, for example, did model United Nations during my university and um, I started diving into multilateralism a little bit through that. It ended up um, that we, we could go to, you know, one of the biggest simulation conferences of the UN in New York. And then I also got the opportunity to actually coach a, a delegation of Swiss students to um, go to that conference again and after all of these things happen I it was more of a why not decision to apply um, for this position or for this mandate as a Swiss youth rep because I thought you know why forget about all the things I've learned through the process and why not just try to use it yeah now so I've learned that I'm actually the first Swiss youth rep with this background in natural sciences so it's quite atypical 
But I, I also think that, you know, with the uprise of science diplomacy, for example, which actually Switzerland is at the forefront of at the moment, with this, probably there was an interest within our youth council to actually balance out the team a little bit with people with different expertise and different backgrounds. And yeah, I really think it's a great team so far. Um, I think we can achieve a lot during our mandate and I really enjoy my time so far. Yes, indeed. It was really your uh, profile that seems so interesting to us as well. But like you say, uh, Switzerland and the, and the youth reps, it's quite interesting because um, Switzerland has just had its 20th anniversary of membership in the UN last year. But it's interesting that in 2003, which was just one year after Switzerland became a member of the UN, the Swiss National Youth Council submitted a proposal to the Swiss Federal Department of Foreign Affairs for youth participation in the UN. And as a result, the first youth representatives were elected. So it was very quick. How many Swiss youth representatives are elected? You talked about the team. And what does the role entail in Switzerland? Yeah, so... Every summer, um, three new Swiss UN youth representatives get selected by people who are in the board of the Swiss National Youth Council, but also we're supported by our Department of Foreign Affairs. Um, so it's kind of a, a joint decision as to, you know, who will be on the team. Um, so there are three Swiss youth reps every year, but the mandate takes two years, so we have a junior-senior system, three juniors and three seniors, which is great because then we can, you know, hand over the expertise and not start from zero every year and actually have some continuity within our engagement in multilateralism. And as to what our role actually entails, um, there are two parts to it. So one part is, I guess, the obvious one, you know, representing the voice of Swiss youth internationally and especially at the UN. And then there's also the second part of actually raising awareness for UN-related topics, like, for example, what are the SDGs um, amongst youth that live in Switzerland. Right. So you talked about your own interest in applying for uh, being a Swiss uh, youth rep, but as a representative... How do you ensure that you are representing the views and concerns of youth in your country? Yeah, this is a very important question. And this is actually the main part of our mandate, right? That we, we bring forward the, the collective voice of youth on the international stage. So one of the ways we do that is, um, you know, through the Swiss National Youth Council, which we operate under. And just to give you a quick explanation of what the council actually is, so it's the umbrella organization for youth organizations across Switzerland. And it includes about half a million young people within, you know, this age range that we represent, which is quite a lot if we consider um, the, the population size of Switzerland. Uh, so this is one way. So we get input from the youth council, but then we also... Uh, use pre-existing data. Um, there used to be a youth barometer in Switzerland every year and that filters out the issues and the, the concerns and the opinions that young people currently have. We also use open sources that provide data on 
young people's quality of life. For example, just recently the Youth Progress Index came out. And then we also go to schools and we actually talk to young people. We go to youth political festivals and interact with those people. And yeah, we kind of try to get an idea of, you know, what Swiss youth would like us to put the emphasis on. Because there are a lot of topics we could talk about and bring up, but sometimes we have to, you know, decide which is the most pressing issue. Where can we actually have an impact And then also, I think as, as young people ourselves, we quite capable of, you know, understanding the issues of young people because we are young people ourselves. Yeah, there are many ways in which we get the views also, for example, through social media, like a lot of the interactions with Swiss youth happen through social media. And um, yeah, you can always find us there if anyone's listening. <laughs> That's good to know. But it's not only youth, presumably, in Switzerland that you interact with. And Switzerland is not the only country with UN youth reps. Do you know how many countries have youth delegate programs? There are actually no official numbers right. um, because not all member states register their youth delegates with um, UNDESA, which is kind of a, the coordination organ for the, the youth delegates. But from those unofficial interactions... Um, chat groups. Um, one of us was just at the GA recently. We would estimate about 50 to 60 member states who have youth delegates, but most of the member states have at least two or three youth delegates um, at a time. And do you as a group uh, interact with the youth representatives from other member states? Of course. <laughs> Maybe just to mention here that, you know, we're probably the first generation that grew up with social media and those digital communication tools entirely. So we're really like digital natives, we could say. So a lot of exchange and interaction actually happens through digital communication tools. This also actually makes youth engagement more inclusive because especially those youth delegates who come from further away or who don't have the funding to travel to those huge conferences, they can actually interact with the youth delegate community and the diplomacy community as well through those digital tools. Of course, we, we meet um, youth representatives at big and smaller conferences. Um, sometimes um, there are regional or topic-based networks. Um, one example is the ESDN, the European Sustainable Development Network, where a lot of you know European youth delegates come together and discuss about sustainability and create proposals and things like that so yeah there is a lot of ways we interact with with youth from other countries and it's interesting that a lot of times also similar issues come up in the different countries but you know that really concern young people let's talk a bit about multilateralism and how it's changing so i have a question for you On a scale of one to ten, where one is very pessimistic and ten is very optimistic, how do you feel about the ability of today's multilateral system to address the challenges that will affect your generation? I would say somewhere in between. Um, it's hard to say an exact number, but if I'd had to fix myself, it would be around the six. Ooh, so still bending towards the optimistic side. Exactly, but just slightly. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of positive 
um, developments that have happened in the recent years for youth engagement, especially um, because youth activism has, you know, rendered multilateralism already a bit more inclusive. There are currently a lot more points of entry where youth can actually bring in their opinions into the multilateral system. We also, you know, did our research a bit on this and we, we read that young people are generally more optimistic about multilateralism because the issues that we face today, they do require international collaboration. Like, let's think of climate change. Nobody can solve the issue by themselves, right? So young people do believe in the multilateral system, but I also think they're they're keen on actually having a, a system 2.0 or just like a reform. The negative sides would be that, you know, for example, progress towards the SDGs, nowhere near where it should be by now. I personally just think that, you know, too often crises just, interfere with or or just hinder progress towards positive developments and we have to find a way to to keep those positive developments actually ongoing even when you know unfortunate things happen in the world absolutely um so you've mentioned climate change and you have mentioned also the lack of progress towards the sdgs but for your generation and those younger than you, are there any other major challenges that you think uh, we're facing now or will face before long? Is there anything particularly you'd want to bring out beyond that? Yeah, as I said already, especially climate change, um, increasing heat, droughts, um, natural disasters is a huge concern of young people. And, you know, we'll be here for long. We'll have to live on this planet we're really concerned about the developments and that actually not a lot of things are happening within the multilateral system to, I would say, effectively or meaningfully tackle those issues. Um, I mean, what we see now is that, you know, youth is at the forefront um, of the climate movement. Since the Fridays for Future movement, you always see the young people actually advocating for climate action. So it is a huge concern that we, we try to bring forward. Now also the, the Swiss Youth Council doesn't only have UN youth delegates, but we also have a special climate youth delegate who is only appointed to take action on, on, on climate issues. So it seems like there's a real focus on this, as if it's the number one concern perhaps for certainly in Switzerland. Well, saying it's the number one concern is maybe difficult. Um, because, of course, there are other concerns as well. Um, recently, mental health issues have gone up a lot um, significantly since the COVID-19 pandemic. So this is a concern that we see that young people raise increasingly. And then also, you know, inequality of, of opportunities. Still a lot of children and young people are fa are, are left behind because we're kind of better educated, because a lot more people have access to at least basic education, they actually know that they actually are aware of the opportunities that they lack. So it's not a new concern, but the awareness for the, for the inequality in, in opportunities is rising. And then also I would like to mention that, you know, there are challenges that the young people face today and we can't solve them ourselves. 
multilateralism needs to step up and actually do something about it. But there are also challenges within the multilateral system that in order to solve these issues, one of them would be just the organizational effectiveness within diplomacy in general. Um, double standards are often an issue with concerning human rights, for example. You know, a lot of decisions take a very long time to be taken and I understand because the more voices you collect and try to put into a decision, the, the longer the process will take. But I really see room for improvement and I see the need for improvement because we won't be able to tackle those challenges that youth are facing in time if diplomacy doesn't, you know, do something about it. So having said that, what are the values that you as a youth and the younger generation would like to see as a foundation for finding common ground? Personally, and generally speaking, um, I would like to see that the diplomatic world keeps in mind a more long-term vision of the world. If the WHO estimates are correct, um, the life expectancy for a person like me, so female, born in Switzerland and born in 2000, is about 83 years. And also the people in my generation that are still younger than me will, you know, be here until almost the next century. Um, so it's really about our future and we need to think long term and not react so much on, you know, a, a little problem here, a little problem there. We need to keep the long term picture, the long term vision when it comes to decision making. Also, the, you know, the multilateral system currently was based on powers at, at the end of World War II and the world has changed since World War II and it will also continue to change especially for example technological revolutions will actually change the way we live and they have already changed the way we live continuously. I think we really need to start to think differently about the future for example the future of labor the future of work imagine like all the jobs that exist today a lot of those job descriptions didn't exist 60, 70 years ago. And a lot of the job descriptions that exist today won't exist anymore in a few years to come. These are more, I guess, philosophical or economical questions. But, you know, what is the value of human labor? How can we ensure that human beings can live and work decently also in the future? And I think to be able to answer these questions, we really need to keep this long-term lens. Exactly, for the well-being of everybody. Yeah. yeah. So the Secretary-General's report on Common Agenda really does highlight the role of youth. What do you think could be done to make the UN more inclusive of youth? Yeah, that's a very important question. And I think... Generally, what the UN and the member states have to ask themselves in this regard is how can they assure that the young voices are not just heard, but also integrated and meaningfully integrated into the decision-making processes. To speak concretely, I think um, we need more young people within the system. To give you a brief example, at the Human Rights Council, there was a session, um, a panel on youth, and there were only seven youth delegates in the room, which is not enough when the whole topic is youth, right? You have more than 95% adults talking about youth. I just think the, the willingness of member states to actually bring us 
into the decision-making progress and into the discussion needs to improve. And then also another point is that there are certain inequalities that come with youth engagement currently. One is that, you know, the, the opportunity of actually engaging in the UN or engaging as a youth delegate sometimes and in some member states depends on the social economic status. UN internships are mostly unpaid and, you know, in cities like Geneva or you know, New York, which are expensive cities to live in, um, people that come from less privileged backgrounds, like, they can't fund themselves, so they have less opportunity to actually engage within the system. But it would be nice to have more voices from, you know, South America, um, Africa, Australia, Asia, etc., You've already talked about um, young people it being a large demographic, but I just wanted to perhaps remind a bit about the statistics that we have on this, so that approximately 16% of the global population is between 15 and 24, and that the UN estimated a few years ago that by 2030, probably the population of youth between the age of 15 and 24 will have grown 7% to nearly 1.3 billion. So... What would you like to see done to deepen that solidarity with the world's young people, um, not just your generation now, but future generations also? Yeah, I think the answer to that question would be quite short, just more youth inclusion and also more inclusion of those people who currently don't have easy access to the multilateral system. And I'm going to quote um, the Deputy High Commissioner for Human Rights, Nada Al-Nashif. She recently said that inequality breeds more violence. I think there is a lot of truth um, to that quote. And I really strongly believe that we need to, you know, be able to find a way to equal out the opportunities um, to engage in decision-making processes because in the end the people affected by decision-making processes are the people who are young today and who will stay here for long. Exactly. You've spoken a bit about what you'd like to see change in the multilateral system. Let's talk perhaps a little about the Secretary-General's call for an upgrade of the system to the UN 2.0. It's an evolution towards a more agile and diverse, responsive, impactful UN organization, we hope. And this involves the what we're calling the quintet of change, which is fusion of innovation and data and digital foresight and so on and behavioral science and skills and culture. Now, you've mentioned young people's ability with technology and so on, but how do you think that the skills and capacity of your generation can impact a changing multilateral system? I think here we need to distinguish between youth in general and my generation. So I think that youth in general, and, you know, <laughs> there is a constant turnover and it's it's great to keep the ideas fresh and to actually always include that generation that is currently young into decision-making processes. Because young people have innovative, fresh ideas. They might not have the experience um, that it takes to actually you know, make a good decision, but they can bring in so many creative ideas that actually, you know, one of them, two of them, many of them might be really good ideas and they need to be heard. Then about our generation, which is currently youth, but will not stay the young generation forever. 
Um, Gen Z has been described as the most accepting and open-minded generation currently. <laughs> and I think this is also because we've, we've been shaped by the digital age, as we've mentioned before. We grew up with, you know, seeing information from various places, cultures, etc. And so today's young people, through those um, digital communication tools, they are actually more informed and also more connected than ever before because it's also a lot easier to access information through the internet than it is to, you know, go to a library and search for exactly the book that you need. Because of this and because also I strongly believe that communication is actually a prerequisite for collaboration. I do think that um, for our generation, the collaboration across borders is easier than it might have been before. And, you know, geographical differences are less of an issue. But I also think that, you know, the intergenerational dialogue is important and this needs to be kept up as well. We need to also profit from the past experience and keep history in mind to, you know, not repeat the mistakes of the past. So, yeah. I do think that, you know, our generation can have a very positive impact in multilateralism. So looking towards the future, because you will still be a youth rep next year in 2024, when we will have the summit for the future, what would your hopes be for that summit of the future? Yeah, so <laughs> as a quick disclaimer, um, we, we don't know yet if um, Swiss youth delegates will actually have the opportunity to go to the summit of the future but nevertheless I, I think it's really really important that a lot of youth delegates will be there because in the end it's about our future so yeah what are my hopes <laughs> personally I hope for more evidence-based policy I strongly believe that decision making should be based more on you know anticipations by scientists by data and not so much by the current political tensions Concretely, what I hope that will happen at the Summit of the Future is that there will be agreements on concrete ways to boost the progress towards the SDGs because we are so far behind. And ways of boosting could be better monitoring mechanisms of the specific targets within the SDGs. But also there might be a way to you know, implement more concrete, immediate, active mechanisms that can be applied when, you know, the progress towards those targets actually goes back. Just to give you a quick example here, with poverty, so SDG 1 aims to end poverty in all its forms everywhere by 2030. And so by now it should have halved, but the number of people living in extreme poverty is actually currently increasing. There are not a lot of mechanisms in place to hinder that progression. So I think... There are a lot, of, a lot of hopes for the summit of the future, but we can also not expect that a two-day summit will um, change the world. <laughs> and that's why a lot of preparations are necessary and they're actually already ongoing. And so, yeah, we really hope that we can contribute, young people can contribute to shaping the future through the summit and beyond. I'm sure that you can contribute so much. Do you have any final thoughts for us, Flora? Yes, I would like to quote a youth delegate from Germany who mentioned the following sentence at the Human Rights Council panel on youth. And it's very general, but um, they said that young people are the future and the future belongs to them.
I think we really need to keep this in mind when decisions are being taken about topics that concern our future. And then also something I've talked about a lot and in various contexts, and I think it's always helpful, is unity in diversity. So I think we really need to combat this polarization that is currently happening a lot. I think people need to regain their ability to actually empathize and put themselves into the shoes of the others because this polarization jeopardizes multilateralism. I've also learned that, you know, one of the major principles of negotiations is to be able to put yourself in the shoes of the other and try to figure out how you can create a win-win solution, not a win-lose solution. And I think if we keep this in mind, a lot of positive changes can happen. Empathy, unity and diversity. I don't think we can find a better way to conclude. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. 